Hi everyone and welcome back to another edition of the content and the machine where uh, so big news today we just recent we just signed our collaboration agreement uh, backdated to March 1st when we first started the podcast mm -hmm. so yeah um, that's a huge milestone for us I guess relatively yes. personally I mean now now we actually have a legally binding contract so. and Jane decided to post this to her Instagram story so yeah. So you can check out the first page if you're curious of what is written on there. Do you realize like the most important clauses are on the first page? <laughs> yeah, but this is not anything that is like. I mean, we don't have numbers attached. Yeah, no, yeah, we don't have numbers attached to it. And also, what, what would be the point of a non-disclosure for a podcast which is supposed to be public? I know, so that's why I put it on my story. That's what you call you know, guerrilla marketing. I don't <laughs> guerrilla content marketing. I okay. literally just put those two words together. They you know nothing. what? Strange segue, but guerrilla reminds me of guerrilla warfare, which reminds me of Colombia, which has terrific coffee. So let's talk about coffee. <laughs> so we were supposed to talk about coffee last week, but due to the due to the current massive civil rights movement in America, we thought it would be appropriate to address that first last week, and we can address it. We can address our original topic of coffee today. However, I will say this, and I am passionate about this. The history, coffee as a beverage, its history and its historical significance is very much tied to anything civil rights related today. And are you? And if you are wondering why, then we can get into it. But yeah, no. So <clears throat> obviously coffee is not just coffee, but like every commodity is heavily related mm -hmm. to the ancillary trade industry, which was the slave industry. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So I, I do want to hear more about this. Like how is coffee... So let's start off from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So how is coffee first discovered? Let me get out my notes. Actually, this is, every, again, remember, our entire podcast is unscripted, unedited, and done in one take. So if we have some awkward moments like this, please forgive us. I'm taking out my I actually notebook. still can't believe you took notes for this. No, because, I mean, this is something that I just wanted to have a proper structure for. Uh, okay. Um, coffee was right. the, the coffee bean the plant is originated from ethiopia okay and there are a couple of legends surrounding the discovery of coffee but one of them is apparently by this uh there's a goat herder herder named kaldi and he realized uh -huh. that if his goats nibbled on a certain plant they just go ape shit and they wouldn't sleep and just run around and he was like hmm that's interesting so maybe i should bring these Maybe I should bring these berries to like a monk that I know and see what's up with these. The monk brewed some tea out of the berries and when he drank the tea, he became very, very clear-headed and very energetic and he was like, oh, this is a great drink. And that is one of the, that's one of the legends surrounding it. There's a couple of others, but this is the most well-known one. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the nomads within like the Northern Saharan area were, were, was already drinking this beverage for a very long time. Right. Like for hundreds and hundreds of years. But it only became big in the 1400s, so with the rise of Islam, with the rise of um, uh, kingdoms and caliphates in the, uh, the Arabian Peninsula. That's, right. when the, that's when coffee as a beverage became huge. And that's when they actually started brewing the beans. And the black coffee, the black liquid that we know today, is created. So let's not mm -hmm. forget, like, mm -hmm. the <clears throat> people... Mm -hmm. of the Muslim faith mm -hmm. um, they can't drink mm -hmm. liquor exactly. so as a result th their substitute mm -hmm. if, if it can qualify as a substitute mm -hmm. was coffee mm -hmm. and 
so here's what I remember. I remember reading. I remember watching a lot of topics about this because people were telling me, "Oh, coffee's bad for you. You should stop drinking coffee." I'm like, "Make me." So <laughs> I, I I was searching a lot about like, oh, whether coffee is good for you or bad for you. But mm-hmm. it's been largely attributed that to have fueled the renaissance mm-hmm. absolutely 100%. so actually okay that's a great mm-hmm. this is a great segue but keep going keep going no no because like up until then mm-hmm. the european europeans were accustomed to drinking alcohol and yes booze. exactly so i actually so do you know any more about that i've only seen it in passing so mm-hmm. i don't know much about the topic um in so in europe in mm-hmm. general they were drinking mostly wine and beer. And that was right. because the water conditions in, in Europe were so disgusting that it's basically just any... Drinking water was dangerous. That's why tea became a thing. But beer... So the, the process of fermenting wine and beer is also killing a lot of the pathogens within uh, the water. Okay. So obvi- not only that, but beer and wine make people feel good. <laughs> so okay. it fuels, you know, the inherent alcoholism within, within all of us. Okay. And um, Trouble, Troublesome comment, but okay. <laughs> so that was the main beverage. Like the tea, mm-hmm. tea, beer, and wine were the main beverages in Northern Europe at the time. And there's not going to be much productivity if people are drinking beer and wine from the AM. Mm-hmm. But then with the introduction of coffee, so maybe not quite the Renaissance because the timeline is a little bit backwards. The Renaissance started happening in the late, very late 1400s and the 1500s with the rise of the Medici family. Uh-huh. And they used their money and their funds to basically just completely take a huge takeover of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. That can be a different podcast day. You know what? Terrific family, by the way. That's like what I aspire I to I know, be. I know. The Medici's <laughs> are awesome. Yeah. But that's a complete tangent. Um, before that, mm-hmm. because during the Renaissance, so they were already getting a lot of influence from um, trade, well, the Silk Road trade, and particularly from like the, Ara- the Arabic traders that they came in contact with. Um, they did... So when coffee came to Venice... In 1615, right. 1615, and this is, I don't say, I wouldn't say peak of the Renaissance, but still sort of like the ending ages and going into the Enlightenment okay. era. The Venice clergy condemned it as a devil's drink because it had, you know, it had the, the, the stink of Islam on it, the Catholic Church. Crucify me, mm-hmm. please. <laughs> yes, yes. So, no, so the clergy did not approve, but be, it became so contentious because it was such a popular drink. It became so contentious that... Um, they actually called upon Pope Clement VIII to comment on it. And Pope Clement drank it. I was like, dude, this is awesome. And he gave it papal clemency. Like but, he gave wait, it okay. the papal stamp so of approval. That was, okay, first of all, that's, that, that's extremely racist. So they didn't want to drink it because it's... Because it, it was, came from it came from the it Islam. It was from Arabic traders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they didn't want to drink it because of yeah, that. That because, is extremely racist. Well, not it's, it's racist. It's also like bigoted against yeah. like the different religion but also it was like the it was a 15 it was a 1600 so what do you expect like no one was very enlightened then and no one is now but definitely not then either no but anyways so pope clement apparently was very woke yeah, and you know he actually hell. he's credited for saying this line i don't remember the exact quote but he said um the devil's drink is so delicious why don't we give a big middle finger to the devil and bless it with the papal's approval that's literally what he said. Yo. That is, I know, that is like. Yo, mic drop moment right there. I know. So that, I read that and I was like, all right, all right. Like <laughs> mental gymnastics, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But, sorry, I don't want to get off to a to- 
too off topic about the significance of coffee. So within the Arabic caliphates and within the Arabic culture itself, coffee houses became a place of cultural movement because people would gather there and they would all be like very stimulated and, and alert and woke literally so they would have all these discussions they would keep up with the news they would share art they would listen to music and these became the schools of the wise that's what they were actually mm. called and this trend moved over into europe and they became and at one point it was in england i believe like when these cafes started popping up um, they were called penny universities because for a penny you could buy coffee and then discuss with some of the brightest minds in the world. And I'm skipping a few hundred years in between here, but I just want to say within these coffee houses, people like Bach, Beethoven wrote most of their famous works. Um, in Paris, there's a very famous cafe. It's the, the name of it is, is lost on me right now, but it's the place where all of the artists of the impressionist era and all of the, the writers like Kafka, um, I might be mixing up timelines here, but like Van Gogh, Paul Gauguin, like all of the most influential European artists from, from painting, from music, from sculpture, they all came together at this one cafe to discuss ideas. It was also a political hotbed. And then Ernest Hemingway, like even American people would go over there. Ernest Hemingway was a regular there, apparently. So these cafes, this spot of having coffee was influential, in, like was inequivocally influential in the development of modern Western and Eastern and global cultural arts movement. Not only that, though. Okay. What? No, because I'm just thinking. Mm -hmm. So how did we go from that to Starbucks? <laughs> because great American commercialization. <laughs> like, no, like you have to yeah. you have to hand it to America. First, mm -hmm. they started off with diner coffee. And then Howard Schultz... Um, was it no the the other founders of Starbucks? They went to Italy. They found espresso, and they're like, "Oh my god, this shit is amazing!" They mm -hmm. bring it back to America, and then Howard Schultz comes along and is like, "You know what? Let's franchise this. Mm -hmm. Everything in America just turns to franchising." I know, I know. It's that's, amazing. That's the great American dream, is it, it not? It is. It is. Um, and yeah, continue. Actually, with no. Your... Actually, great segue because okay. going into America. So the reason why American people are so obsessed with coffee and not tea, even uh -huh. though. America did start off as a colony of England. Yeah, Boston Tea it, Party and everything. Yes, is because the American people or the American colonizers were pissed at the British for taxing them so high on tea. So then they're like, fuck tea. We're going to drink coffee from now on. And oh. Thomas Jefferson said something along the lines of, oh, coffee is the drink of the intellectuals or something like that. And that's why coffee became the biggest drink in America. And here, so we've talked about some of like the older history and the maybe the cultural influence that it had. And by the way, this is heavily generalized because we do have a time limit on this. And honestly, I do want to move into the maybe the darker aspects of coffee, where you brought this up earlier. Coffee trade, any commodity trade is heavily, heavily tied in with any sort of global trade, which starts with slave trade. Yeah, so like mm -hmm. just, just mentioning like that. Conquest, yeah. colonization slave trade even all of today that. yeah even today so for example um if you take a look at your phone there are a lot of rare earth elements that go into this and this is obviously another podcast that we should probably delve into mm -hmm. but <clears throat> so for example one of the most crucial elements that go into making a smartphone is cobalt specifically for lithium-ion batteries mm -hmm. where does cobalt come from it comes from the um, uh the banks of the congo river Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. So, like, 
there's oh, heart of darkness. Woo. <laughs> yeah, so there's zero infrastructure, and people are just exploiting the natives, mm -hmm. getting them to essentially do dangerous mining work with their bare hands. Oh God, that's not good at all. Which is why people are looking for alternatives to cobalt to use in manufacturing for smartphones. I see. Right. So just like looking at that, you can already tell like also free trade coffee, fair trade coffee. There's yeah. like so many and chocolate as well. Yeah, chocolate too. So we could still see problems with the commodity trade. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually very curious like are there still problems with it and how much how how far back do these problems go? Oh, these far these problems go way back. So right around let's say that um so Columbus sailed the ocean in 1492. Right. And although there were there there were people go, like trying to go back and forth before that, like Armando like Armando Pizarro. Like, no, 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 sorry. Um, Amerigo. Amerigo Vespucci. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one that's he's a, that's why America's yeah. named America. Amerigo Vespucci. Because yeah. after him. And then this starts a whole centuries, like several centuries long era of European conquest, colonization, and just exploitation of country of other people around the world, of other just lands around the world. And coffee's one of them. So when they brought, from what I understand, from what I read, uh, there was people got like certain beans and seeds of the coffee of the coffee trees, moved it up to Europe, and then some people got their hands on it in Europe, and then colonizers brought it over to the Caribbean islands. That's why you have a lot of coffee from the Caribbean islands. They also brought it, the Dutch brought it over to Indonesia and Sumatra and created massive plantations. And when you hear the word plantations, that's automatically a red flag because who's working those plantations? It's not the Dutch. Like, it's not going to be the Dutch. It's, it's going to be the natives, the natives there. I mean, in fairness, I don't think the Dutch population is big enough to do agriculture, like massive scale agriculture <laughs> anyway. So this is a whole other topic for another podcast. But yes, that's definitely it. Um, and then other con like other conquistadors, other people colonizing Brazil, Latin America, Colombia, like so like maybe Colombia, Ecuador brought all of these coffee beans in along with, you know, their guns and their disease and their propensity to enslave the natives there. Massive coffee plantations. And this goes hand in hand with the sugar plantations that were going on in Latin America at the time. Right. Yes, they are called... Wow, I should remember this because I taught this for so long. But there is a specific Spanish word for what a plantation is. And it's slightly different from the American version of plantation, but it's essentially the same. Where it's basically indentured servitude, but it's actually slavery. So, oh yeah, mm -hmm. no, you know I, it starts I, with an e. Yeah, the word is like if some like DJ mind. or anyone else who's very familiar with history, I know that you know this, so just text me later. Yeah, but um, this so coffee and sugarcane and all of these commodities go hand in hand, and who is working these plantations? It's not the colonizers. I can assure you, it is the slaves that they brought along with the slave trade, along with the indigenous people at the time, uh, oh, and not at the time, like uh, the people who were there. And so now we come to this, this goes back 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, um, peak was probably 1600s, but this economy regard, surrounding coffee specifically has been going on for centuries and we are still part of it today. And it's, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we have to be conscious of every single time you pick up a cup of coffee. Like the human brain is not wired to be constantly worried about 
things that they can't see in its immediate vicinity. But no. we hope that by listening to a podcast like this, you can at least be a little bit more aware and approach your life a little bit more mindfully. So my question is then this. Mm-hmm. What, what's a fair price for coffee? I Because, honestly don't look, know. Starbucks in Korea costs essentially $4 equivalent. Mm-hmm. In the US, I, I remember for a fact it's like $2.50 for an Americano tall. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in Canada, it's like $3 Canadian, which is basically right now nothing because the Canadian <laughs> dollar is worth nothing. Um, <laughs> in Australia, uh, Starbucks doesn't even exist because Starbucks failed in Australia. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Vietnam. Starbucks doesn't exist in Vietnam. But what's a Vietnamese fair price? coffee for- is really good. That's, I mean, that's why Starbucks. I was actually going to say this earlier, but it was like the tone was too dark earlier. But I'm going to say this now. Sugar and coffee go great together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. And condensed milk. Yeah, condensed milk. Guys, like if you haven't tried condensed milk, then obviously try condensed milk. Broaden your horizons. That's the whole point of this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, broaden your horizons. Become woke. Be like Pope Clement. Yes. And yeah, um, back on topic. What's a fair price for coffee then? I honestly have no idea. When it comes to the economics of modern day coffee trade and pricing, I'm lost. Because I think this would be more your area. Yeah, because I do want to talk about this because coffee grows in what's called the coffee belt, mm-hmm. specifically between the tr- um, tropics of Cancer and Capricorn, mm-hmm. right? Basically, where the weather stays hot 24 7. Mm-hmm. Like, which means there's not much geographic area that can actually grow coffee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to logistically move it to markets where they consume a lot of coffee. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one of the biggest producers of coffee in the world is Vietnam, mm-hmm. which is hilarious <laughs> for numerous different reasons. But Vietnam doesn't consume nearly as much coffee as it consumes, and it exports a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Where does it all go? The U.S. is the largest market for coffee, just mm-hmm. like on a gross basis, mm-hmm. but per capita, The Finns drink a lot of coffee. Really? And it's been shown that the more north you go, the more coffee you drink. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because they don't get a lot of sunlight there, especially in the winter. I mean, like... They're d- probably hella depressed. Is coffee the cure for depression? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe. You so I always say, mm-hmm. but uh, logistics-wise, mm-hmm. getting coffee from the equator to the poles mm-hmm. is expensive. Mm-hmm. And also imagine, like, think of all the Europeans who need their espresso shot. Yeah. Like, and, and the only reason we could keep it so affordable, so cheap, is because we're, ex- ex- we're exploiting somebody somewhere in the process, mm-hmm. which is why fair trade coffee comes up. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't know. Honestly, I'm not an expert on the coffee trade. Mm-hmm. I, I wish David would have come on <laughs> <laughs> because David is an expert on the coffee trade. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually very curious, like, who are we exploiting in the process? Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of reports saying specifically that we're exploiting farmers mm-hmm. because farming coffee is a very m- manual labor-intensive process mm-hmm. because the coffee beans are very uncooperative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how, much, how many years... They are finicky. Yeah, we've been trying... For years, centuries on end, mm-hmm. to genetically modify these so that they ripen all at once. Mm-hmm. But they're like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, <laughs> I do so, what I want. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I would say the fair price for coffee is probably I've seen estimates between five dollars to fifteen dollars per cup, mm-hmm. and none of those estimates go below four. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so 
Uh-huh. Most of us are probably underpaying for a cup of coffee. Oh, we. De- I mean, I definitely, I've definitely seen a lot of places in Korea that sell very, very cheap coffee. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's probably not <laughs> fair trade source, and it's also probably not high quality. It's no. some sort of like discount coffee. But like, look, if I need my caffeine shot, I will get it. But yeah. the thing is, is I don't know what a fair trade, what a fair price is. No. And is coffee essential to your to your survival? It's not. So no, it, it is, is essential to my survival. I mean, well, so so that's the thing. It's technically a luxury, mm-hmm. but we've become so accustomed and I, I guess I'll say spoiled by our cheap coffee and our easy access to it. That actually, Jane, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Coffee is essential for you. Have you? Have you tried talking to Jane before she's had her morning cup of coffee? <laughs> no, Jesus I mean, so I'm, I co- I'm, I'm a complete, I'm an issue within the system as well. Like, I'm, I'm being very, very honest right here. Like, it's an addiction. It's a drug. No, it is And a I'm drug. completely addicted. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that it's not an essential. I mean, like, look, if, I, if you take coffee away from me, yeah, I might go on a murderous rampage and bite off everyone's heads. But... Well, then it is an essential <laughs> service. What are you talking about? But, but what I'm saying is that my heart isn't going to stop. I'm gonna keep breathing. My liver is probably gonna be happier for it. No, your liver's gonna thank you for cutting on drinking, not coffee. Well, anyway, <laughs> so where, like, I don't know where the fair price is, and I guess this was this is something worth delving into. Like, yeah, this is yeah. worth something researching. And any coffee experts out there, please reach out to us at mkmf77 <laughs> at gmail.com. That's my actual email address. This is a running meme now. Six episodes in, nobody's emailed me so far. <laughs> And people are listening to our podcast. Like we have eighty-two listeners. We have on our eighty-two po- listeners, by the way. Who? Somebody's Who and listening. How? Yeah. Who some, and how? I have no idea. But for some reason, the analytics are just not telling us who, what, when, where, why, like they literally just give us numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, I wish Spotify, when people sign up, not people, when things sign up for their <laughs> podcast, they have to identify some, themselves. Are you a dog? Are you a cat? Are you a bird? Are you a human? <laughs> Please. Just give us some info so we know yeah. what to work with. No, I know for a fact that, that some people, I know for a fact, one of, my, one of the people that I've reached out to does this. They listen to the podcast to fall asleep because they're not a native English speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Like our podcast, yeah. <laughs> so, like, if if that's your if that's your drive, so he could just like wake up and the, our podcast is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. You know what? That explains the numbers. That makes a lot of sense. Honestly, I have no idea what's happening. But, but hey, we're not complaining. If, if like even if you're not listening, if you just have it on, we appreciate that. Also, we work really needs to fix this aircon situation. I know it is really hot in here. Yeah, but. Going back to coffee because it is hot in here. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the sort of climate that needs to be mm-hmm. like year round for mm-hmm. coffee to survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, is it worth drinking? Should we allow the coffee plant to survive? <laughs> <laughs> no, with actually with global warming, more and more countries are going to be able to grow coffee. Have you heard? Like, so there's a guy in Korea who grew a pineapple in his veranda. <laughs> Wait, no. it took two years. He grew a pineapple in his veranda. Uh huh. So he has a mini greenhouse that allowed him to grow a fucking pineapple. Uh-huh. Now, how long before we start growing coffee plants in Korea? Oh wow! I yeah. mean, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting, I guess, concept to play with. Yeah, because I've heard reports like people are growing mangoes down in Jeju Island, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and those need to be like hum- humid they are and hot. Fucking expensive, by the way. Yeah, mangoes like, are also I, there, expensive. There was like three mangoes. I saw this at Chongangne. There was three mangoes. And it's like 
Samanon, it's forty dollars. Yeah. Like I guess like thirty-seven dollars if you want to be accurate, but it's it's just ridiculous because every mango is over ten dollars. No, which is why I don't eat mangoes. Also,、yeah. they taste gross. But、uh, <clears throat> I think mangoes are fine. Controversial opinion of mine.、Yeah. Mangoes are gross. Hot、Stop、take.、Eating. Yeah, hot take. Why even? So here's and yeah, going back to the topic on hand.、Mm-hmm. Coffee, is it worth it? And will prices drop as global warming increases? So then, if pr- prices on coffee could drop through global warming, should we support global warming? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael. Let's not get too. Let's not. Let's not just go too far off into the deep end. Because yeah, let's not. <laughs> okay. So bringing it back. Yeah. Bringing it back.、Uh-huh. Um, obviously, like the coffee trade is actually a huge, huge, huge contributor. Mm-hmm. To global warming, absolutely. Because I want, I also want to say this. Like, I mean, plantations these days, mo- most of it is mechanical. So, I mean, there are laborers that are probably being exploited all the time. But a big part of making the coffee, of roasting the beans, of whatever, and and exporting it, and importing it, and moving it around, requires a lot of gas, requires a lot of oil, and also think about this, like. What is the drain on the water supply of these? Yeah, that's actually the biggest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? Imagine how much water it fucking takes to supply this constant, constant, constant growth and growth and propagation of coffee trees. Like, I'm starting to realize that this podcast is probably a bit more woke than what most people are used to, but I, I like it.、Um, mm-hmm. Like the so here's here's an interesting thing.、Mm-hmm. Um, Israel、mm-hmm. in the middle of Basically, a desert、mm-hmm. has a huge, huge agricultural industry,、mm-hmm. and they grow cucumbers,、mm-hmm. which are which in the middle of the desert. Ninety percent water, I believe. Yeah, not higher. Ninety-seven percent water. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, in the middle of the Arabian desert, put out essentially desalinates the water from the Persian Gulf, pumps it into the land, irrigates the sand to create essentially. I guess farmland in the middle of the desert is、that's、that sustainable? Like, that's that's like China creating a whole new island, right? Yeah. So But, going back to the coffee trade,、mm-hmm. coffee beans like it, this is why it only grows in specific climates because it needs to be humid and hot.、Mm-hmm. The humidity allows it to get as much water as possible.、Mm-hmm. Coffee beans require a lot of water、mm-hmm. in order、mm-hmm. to grow. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to the topic. Like, is it worth it? Are we actually paying the price for it? Are there externalities that we aren't taking in, taking、oh, into、absolutely. account when、There's、we're pricing coffee beans? Definitely externalities that we're not、yeah. taking into account. So, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? We're not trying to depress anyone because we. I'm on my second cup of coffee as we do this. So I okay. By the way, I'm gonna admit right here. I'm being a complete hypocrite, and we are saying these things. Because we know that we're also part of the problem. You know, Jay may be a hypocrite, but I'm just on my first cup, and I don't plan on getting a second cup <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> Way to throw me under the bus, Michael. But it's I, fine. It's in our contract. You obviously haven't read it. I get to throw you under the bus <laughs> one time every podcast. Wait. wait. <laughs> Hold on. We might need to make some amendments on this one. Oh、uh, no! You already signed it. It's too late. <laughs> but in any case. I know that I'm part of the problem, and we all are. That's the thing, and there's not there's not much as individuals we can do about it. But on several fronts, knowing this and living your life, knowing this information and being more mindful versus not, does make all the difference. 
yeah. on an individual level. You think that minute cha- changes in your behavior won't make any difference, and maybe it won't make an immediate difference, but it does. Actually, you know what? Terrific segue. Mm-hmm. My minute changes to your life can save like human lives, basically, because coffee capsule capsule coffee. Mm-hmm. Incredibly, incredibly bad for the environment. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, because um, so Keurig uses plastic cups. Yeah. <clears throat> Nespresso uses aluminum capsules. Oh god. They're both equally terrible, mm-hmm. and yet both of those don't have was it very robust recycling systems, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the cups can actually be recycled mm-hmm. because they're not punctured. <clears throat> And a lot of those capsules end up in going to landfills. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge contributor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like George Clooney has been called out. It's like, you're the spokesperson for Nespresso. What are you going to do about it? And George Clooney literally went, I'm just an actor, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> but no, it, it, so like just cutting down on your consumption of, let's say, capsule coffee mm-hmm. or cutting down on your consumption of um, I don't know, coffee in general, maybe drinking from fair trade sources only, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. can actually do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I completely agree. I mean, I think this is a good reminder to myself that I should probably be more mindful of where I get my coffee from. I can't do it. Give yourself some leeway because I want to give myself some leeway. I can't do this all the time, but my new changes and living mindfully will make a difference. And this got a little bit back into the current situation at hand globally. This may, this also applies to any movement that you want to make a change in the civil rights movement right now in America. You don't have to do like, you don't have to go to the end of the earth to prove that you're an ally. Just minute changes, just starting just by questioning yourself and dismantling your own internal racism is a start. And again, like I know we were talking about coffee for this whole episode, but this, but coffee, coffee comes from Africa. It comes from this systematic, how do you say, the systematic exploitation and development of plantations and indigenous people and black people and slaves, right? There's all, you think that the world happens in the vacuum. You think that your life is separate from everything else, but it's not. We're all the result of something, right? So Yeah, pollution in China doesn't stay in China as much as we would like that to stay in China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it always flows over into Korea and Japan and ultimately reaches the US as well. Mm-hmm. Radiation from Japan reaches the US shores all the time. Mm-hmm. And yet we think we live in a bubble. But I want to actually loop it back to like my new changes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> in capital because we were actually talking about this earlier. We were talking about in capitalist culture, what can we do? I hate how it's like so intertwined with politics, is what you said, mm-hmm. right? Um, in capitalist culture, in the capitalist system, you vote with your wallet, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So you just have to make a conscious decision. So, for example, I don't buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally, like, no, you may be laughing now, but I haven't bought an article of clothing mm-hmm. With my own cash, uh-huh. I've, I've gotten gifts from my parents and whatnot. Uh-huh. I haven't bought an article of clothing with my own cash in the past 24 months. Jeez, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I haven't bought shit. You know, all the electronic stuff that, I, apart from the microphones, I haven't bought an electronic device since last year mm-hmm. because I had to change my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't been... So just like cutting down on your consumption in general might actually help. Actually, this should be an entire podcast. other podcast because 
I really, I really admire that. I am mm. definitely more on the consuming side. Mm. I've become better over the years as I became more aware, self-aware of my spending habits and consumption and everything that entails. But no, I really admire that. That's amazing. Actually, you know what? That might actually be our next podcast. Mm -hmm. And on that note... Um... On that note, we'll end here because last time we went way over time and we had to compress our file too small. So we shall end here. Yeah. Um, Have a good one, guys. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. By the way, my email address once again is mk 